This is Michael Volkoff, and this is episode 201 of Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Uh, today, we're going to review a flurry of DOJ False Claims Act cases that have been brought. And uh, it's kind of an interesting uh, beginning to the sort of Biden administration Department of Justice. So we're going to take a look of a, at a bunch of these cases. And this same week, I'm running on the blog a uh, more detailed analysis of each of these cases. Uh, in case you're interested. Anyway, um, before we get started, I wanted to introduce uh, a new sponsor, and that is Claws Match, and uh, we're really glad to have them as part of the Corruption, Crime, and Compliance team. And uh, let's uh, listen to a word from them, and then we'll be back with the review. Are you looking for a policy and compliance management platform to help you automate tasks, organize data and documents, and collaborate across your compliance and risk teams? ClauseMatch is an award-winning regulatory technology company that provides policy management and regulatory change management solutions for financial institutions and other regulated companies. ClauseMatch's AI-powered smart document collaboration platform enables cross-functional teams to interact with, review and approve centralized policy documents in real time, with the precise audit trail mapping them to regulatory obligations on a granular level. Clause Match applies a deep understanding of the regulatory lifecycle and machine learning to standardize and automate processes and workflows across teams, reducing costs, speeding up implementation, and demonstrating compliance to regulators. To learn how to transform your policy and compliance management, visit clausematch.com or email evolve at clausematch.com. Okay, so let's uh, turn to our False Claims Act uh, review and take a look at some of these cases. I think, look, it's, uh, I've always said that the False Claims Act is probably the most powerful enforcement tool that the Justice Department has. Um, and with its partner agencies, it's clear they're ramping up enforcement efforts. Uh, the Biden DOJ is definitely going to implement an aggressive False Claims Act program across healthcare, defense industries, and other government contractors. And combined with this initiative, remember that the Justice Department's Antitrust Division uh, has implemented an antitrust enforcement task force relating to government procurement, thereby raising even more risks of False Claims Act uh, in antitrust prosecution. This is inevitably going to lead to uh, an increase, uh, you know, at the end of the last administration, we saw, you know, two to three billion dollars a year in recovery um, at the height of uh, the Obama administration. I think we saw close to eight billion. And I think we're going to start to see the ramp up in enforcement uh, in the next few years. Um, so companies, uh, you know, have to address these risks proactively. Uh, you know, we're often, you know, accused of marketing our services by spreading enforcement fears and scary scenarios of jail time uh, for executives. But all of these scenarios 
may come to fruition, uh, but risks have to be evaluated fairly, and compliance mitigation is an important strategic objective. There's no question about that. I'm always surprised board members and senior executives always acknowledge that government investigations are costly uh, and create uh, significant financial uh, downsides, but most importantly are the reputational risks. And in this era of responsible governance, the ESG movement, accountability, corporations face enormous risks to their most important intangible asset, that's their reputation. So the False Claims Act really stands as a major risk. Businesses have to depend, that depend on government business, including healthcare, defense, and other contractors, have to address the issues proactively. Uh, and then remember that you have an active and major whistleblower bar that generates Ketam relators needed to fuel lengthy and costly uh, government investigations. So let's review uh, a number of recent False Claims Act cases. Um, each of these cases proved my point. Um, companies should prepare. Companies should audit, test, monitor their activities uh, to make sure that they don't fall into this. Here are two uh, into this trap. Here are two quick examples. Uh, surgical care affiliates in Orlando Center for Outpatient Surgery agreed to pay $3.4 million to resolve allegations that both companies violated the False Claims Act by submitting uh, claims for kidney stone procedures that were not medically justified and for establishing an illegal kickback arrangement. The settlement stemmed from claims for extracorporeal corporeal uh, shockwave, uh, and I'm going to say it wrong, lithotripsy, but as a procedure basically to break up kidney stones. According to the whistleblower complaint and the U.S. government, who which intervened in the case, Dr. Patrick Hunter, a urologist, uh, performed at the uh, uh, practiced at the Orlando Center, and during the period between January 10th to April 2016, the, the Orlando submit Center submitted claims for these procedures that were medically unnecessary because the condition was not indicated or because the patient didn't even have kidney stones, which is incredible. Um, the whistleblower uh, received 748000 of the proceeds from the settlement, uh, the doctor actually passed away in 2019, and his estate paid $1.75 million to resolve the government's claims against the doctor. Uh, second case, July 6, 2021, AAR Corp. and its Florida subsidiary, AAR Airlift Group, paid the United States over $11 million to resolve False Claims Act allegations stemming from aircraft maintenance services performed by Airlift airlift on two U.S. Transportation Command contracts, Transcom. The case involved uh, helicopters that Airlift owned and maintained for use in transporting DOD cargo and personnel uh, in Afghanistan and Africa, and the allegations centered on the fact that the Airlift knowingly failed to maintain nine helicopters in accordance with contract requirements and it turned out that the helicopters were not airworthy and should not have been certified by airlift as fully mission capable. Uh, in a separate settlement, AAR and airlift agreed to pay about 430000 to the FAA for deficiencies in its helicopter maintenance program. The Ketam Relator was awarded $2.1 of the False Claims Act settlement. 
So that's just a, two quick examples. Here are two sort of even more uh, egregious cases in my mind, which implicated health safety uh, and actually resulted in deaths, uh, which is even more troublesome from my standpoint. And I'm only throwing this out as a question is, I mean, were these settlements appropriate given the fact that pa- that patients died from the deliberate and knowing, act, uh, knowing uh, behavior here? So let's start with Alir uh, agreed to pay $38 million to settle False Claims Act violations. Alir and its San Diego sub, uh, subsidiary result of False Claims Act charges for billing the Medicare program for defective rapid point-of-care testing services. Alir sold diagnostic devices knowing that the devices had a materially defective algorithm. So for an eight-year period from 2008 to 2016, Alir sold defective coagulation monitors used by Medicare patients taking anticoagulant drugs. So blood coagulation monitors are important to protect against ingestion of too much anticoagulant drugs that can cause major bleeding or too little of the drug, which can cause blood clots and strokes. Starting in 2008, Alir knew that the software algorithm used in its monitors suffered from a material defect. Its own research, as well as customer complaints, revealed that its monitors had a system limitation that produced inaccurate and unreliable results for some patients. Um, Alir received repeated warnings, including from their own personnel, that the algorithm was flawed. Rather than pursue further work to fix the problem, Alir acknowledged internally to making a business decision to close their internal investigation without fixing the algorithm uh, defect. Um, And then uh, Alir falsely represented to the FDA in medical device reports that it had investigated uh, the meters and the monitors uh, and did not uncover any deficiencies in the meters, and this was actually contrary to internal findings that they had made. Uh, and Alir did not correct its prior written and oral statements to the FDA, FDA that the root cause of the, the troublesome results was unknown. So uh, event for over eight years, despite knowing of the defect, Alir continued to distribute and sell the systems, and they were aware that the systems were linked to over a dozen deaths and hundreds of injuries, including bleeding requiring surgery, uh, bleeding require endoscopic cautery or repair, and bleeding requiring a blood transfusion, intracerebral hemorrhaging, and cardiovascular events. As Alir admitted internally, in some cases, the defect has led to patient harm, even death. So it was not until 2016 when Alir took corrective actions after the uh, uh, FDA ordered a class one product uh, recall from the market. That's a troublesome case, and uh, I think it's it's questionable in my mind whether or not uh, Alir uh, got off easy and where are the criminal prosecutions for the false statements made by individuals. Uh, it's just incredible to me. Okay, next case, St. Jude agrees to pay $27 million to settle False Claims Act charges for selling defective heart devices. St. Jude Medical agreed to pay $27 million because it knowingly sold a defective heart device to healthcare facilities. Uh, St. Jude was acquired by Abbott Laboratories in early 2017. 
They St. Jude failed to disclose serious health events caused by the early depletion of the battery in certain models of its um, uh, uh, devices which are implanted uh, defibril defibrillators used in patients at risk of cardiac arrest from an irregular heartbeat. The heart devices are implanted in a patient's chest and are activated when the device detects an irregular heartbeat, and they send an electrical pulse to the heart to restore its regular rhythm. St. Jude knew by 2013 that lithium clusters formed on the batteries of the devices, which caused some of the batteries to short and suffer a premature power drain. Um, and this was the problem. And in 2013, they began to develop an improvement to the battery to prevent these lithium clusters from ca causing the, deple the depletion. Uh, and, uh, in August of 2014, a year later, they submitted a request to the FDA to seek permission to make the design changes to the batteries of its devices. Um, and uh, in, its, in its submission to the FDA, St. Jude's, however, did disclose that there had been lithium clusters, but also misrepresented that no serious injury had occurred uh, with regard to the uh, device um, power drains. They knew this statement was false and misleading, and they knew of two reported serious injuries and one death at the time that they made this false statement. Had the FDA been informed of this information, the FDA would have ordered a product recall. And St. Jude's continued to distribute the flawed devices. Later in 2016, they contacted the FDA and notified uh, the FDA of the number of adverse events, which by then had reached 729, including two deaths and 29 events where loss of pacemaker services occurred. Um, and then eventually, the FDA ruled that there had to be a product recall. And uh, St. Jude stopped selling the devices. Uh, nonetheless, thousands of defective devices remained implanted in patients. So the whistleblower, a patient who received one of these uh, defective devices, initiated the False Claims Act suit, and the government intervened uh, to reach this uh, settlement. So now let's go back to some of the more traditional uh, areas of False Claims Act. Uh, cases, uh, that being false billing or uh, anti-kickback or even Stark Law cases. Here we had a case where Akron General Health Systems, a regional hospital system in Akron, Ohio, paid $21.25 million to resolve allegations under the False Claims Act that it had an improper relationship with referring physicians and they re, uh it, they basically were paying kickbacks to them and resulted in the submission of false claims to the Medicare program. Uh, Akron General was acquired in late 2015 by the Cleveland Clinic Foundation, uh, and it appears that upon the acquisition, the Cleveland Clinic discovered the problematic physician payment arrangements uh, and then uh, voluntarily disclosed the matter to the, uh, uh, to the government. So uh, the settlement resolves claims that Akron General violated the anti-kickback laws and the physician self-referral law, the Stark Law, by compensating physicians substantially in excess of their, their market value to secure referrals of patients to the hospital system.
the claims for the illegally referred patients violated the False Claims Act. Um, the anti-kickback laws, remember, prohibit offering, paying, soliciting, or receiving remuneration to induce referrals of items or services covered by Medicare, Medicaid, or other federal health care programs. The Stark Law prohibits a hospital from billing Medicare for certain services referred by physicians with whom the hospital has an improper financial arrangement, including the payment of compensation that exceeds the fair market value of the services actually provided by the physician. The whistleblower in this case, Beverly Browse, the former director of internal audit at Akron General, initiated the False Claims Act case. She raised the compliance issues internally with uh, the Internal Compliance and Audit Committee in 2015 and was subsequently terminated by the hospital system. She then brought a KETAM complaint, alleged that her firing was in retaliation for her efforts to report and remedy the violations of the Federal False Claims Act and she received a portion of the $21.3 million settlement. Uh, and uh, Browse's counsel issued a statement uh, that uh, she raised in good faith issues regarding arrangements that Akron General had with certain physician groups, those arrangements. Um, uh, she had concerns also about her termination and the circumstances surrounding it, uh, and uh, you know, kudos to her for bringing the issue, uh, and uh, Akron General obviously didn't have a speak-up culture. Finally, let's just take a quick look at two criminal cases, false claims investigations that can quickly turn into a criminal case, where and these are one against a lab owner, a physician, and a nurse practitioner, two separate cases, but the FBI often initiates criminal investigations. It's part of its commitment to reducing health care fraud, and they work closely with uh, assistant attorney general, you know, AUSA's assistant U.S. attorneys, uh, and prosecuting physicians, lab owners, and associates in criminal cases. In one example, the owner and a CEO of a Tennessee laboratory was charged via complaint with violating the anti-kick back statute for executing a massive fraud scheme involving Medicare billing. Um, the uh, d- the uh, owner uh, was Fadel Al-Shabi, who was arrested in Chicago, returned to Tennessee to face criminal charges. He was the CEO and owner of Crestar Labs. Beginning in 2016, uh, he engineered a scheme uh, in which he contracted with marketing companies to target and recruit uh, elderly uh, patients and cancer patients who were Medicare be- beneficiaries to obtain their genetic material for conducting uh, genetic tests. Al Shabi, sales, uh, his sales manager, also was previously charged with a felony, which may have been an indication of their culture. Uh, The agencies obtained swabs of saliva from the mouths of patients at nursing homes, senior health fairs, and other events. The tests were approved by telemedicine doctors who did not treat or engage the patients and usually did not speak to the patients for whom they ordered the tests. And then the patient or their treating physicians never received the results of the tests. In exchange for these uh, orders, Al-Shabi paid uh, illegal kickbacks and bribes for the doctor's orders and tests. Uh, Crestar billed Medicare $86 million covering the period 2017 to the present. Crestar was paid almost $14 million for these claims. 
in another example, in June 2021, a federal jury convicted a Louis- Louisville physician and a nurse practitioner for illegal distribution of controlled substances, conspiracy to commit health care fraud and money laundering conspiracy. After a lengthy trial and three days of deliberation, the jury convicted Dr. Jeffrey Campbell and Mark Dyer, a nurse practitioner and a medical practice group on 13 of the 22 charges. Uh, Between 2009 and 2016, Campbell and Dyer distributed oxycodone and methadone, Schedule II narcotic-controlled substance, and submitted fraudulent bills to Medicare, Kentucky Medicaid, and Indiana Medicaid programs for physical therapy, counseling, and exercise services. In submitting these false claims, Campbell and Dyer upcoded, and that means assigned codes to reimburse for services that were inapplicable and designed to secure higher reimbursement rates. Campbell and Dyer were convicted of money laundering charges by paying bonuses to incentivize the ordering of physical therapy services using higher reimbursement service codes for physician services when non-physicians actually delivered the services. So that gives you the range of where criminal uh, cases can occur. And obviously, the doctor and the nurse practitioner are awaiting sentencing, and you can expect they'll get serious uh, jail time in, in that case, particularly after a lengthy trial like that. Anyway, uh, so that's just a, a feel for the False Claims Act. And look, this is an incredible sort of flurry of cases. I think we're going to see more. Uh, hospitals, practitioners, uh, everybody should uh, become uh, more focused in this area. Audits are a critical part of testing and monitoring services, uh, and it's important to do that uh, as well. Um, So uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another important uh, episode on corruption, crime, and compliance. Thanks again for listening to Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Please subscribe to the podcast series. The Volkov Law Group believes that every company should have a robust ethics and compliance program. Experience and research show that ethical companies are better performers in the global marketplace. You can learn more about the legal and compliance services we offer at our website, www.volkovlaw.com. You can also follow our award-winning blog, Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, and our podcast series. You can contact Michael Volkov at his email address, mvolkov at volkovlaw.com. Yeah.